Let us go to God in prayer. Lord, open your word by your Holy Spirit so that we, like Abraham, may believe your promises to us. Amen. Our first reading from this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 15, verses 1 through 12, and skipping ahead a little bit, the 17 and 18. You can find it on page 11 of the Bibles in front of you if you wish to follow along. Listen for what the Spirit has to say to the church. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look, Toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the birds of prey came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended onto him. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river the river Euphrates. Word of the Lord. Our second reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. You can find it on page 907 of the Bibles in front of you. Once again, listen for what the Spirit has to say to the church. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way, for it is impossible for a prophet 
to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. So your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Let us go to God in prayer. God of light, may your light shine upon us. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord our God, our rock and our salvation. May your spirit move among us so that we may hear what you have to say to each and every one of us today. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know how many of you actually listen to that long prayer that I give before we serve communion every couple of weeks. I deliberately use the same prayer every week in the hope that even if you don't listen, that maybe you'll get bits and pieces over time. You see, in addition to being a prayer in which we lift our hearts up to the Lord, it also serves, in my view, as an important educational tool. It teaches us about who we are and whose we are just as much as it lifts up prayers to God. The first Part of that prayer is the prayer of thanksgiving. It outlines the whole salvation history. It starts with giving thanks for God's creation. And then jumps ahead to briefly mention the prophets before finally giving thanks to God for the life, work, and death of Jesus Christ. By outlining the salvation history, it outlines God's plan to reconcile humanity to God. And this particular prayer that I often use, the prophets only get one line. They get one line. But that's more lines than Abraham and Moses get. Many who have grown up in the church know the stories of Abraham. They know the stories of Moses. They know the stories of Joseph in his multicolored coat. But I imagine that many of us are less familiar with the works of the prophets. These are the prophets who God sent to Israel and to Judah, the northern and southern kingdoms that split shortly after Saul's death. These are the prophets that were sent to call God's people back into right relationship with God and with one another. I make it a point 
to read from the prophets as often as possible for this reason. I think they're an overlooked part of our religious tradition. The prophets had a mixed reception in the Hebrew world. Some had the ear of kings while others were hunted down by kings and killed. More of them in the Old Testament were of the rabble-rousing variety than were court advisors. More often than not, the prophets that were sent by God were not heeded by God's people. In this morning's Gospel reading, we see Jesus cast in the role of prophet. The rabble-rousing kind, not the king-advising kind. He's approached by the Pharisees, themselves no friends of Jesus, to warn him that Pharisee seeks to kill, that Herod seeks to kill him. Whatever their motives are, Jesus is having none of it. His response is angry. His response lacks patience. He tells the Pharisees and everyone listening that they can go tell that fox, Herod, that he need not worry, for he'll be in Jerusalem for only just a little while longer anyway. And then he cries out, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Israel's prophets don't have a great track record. The fate of most of Israel's prophets are not recorded in the Old Testament. But ancient historians write, for instance, that the king Manasseh killed hundreds of prophets in the temple. Tradition holds that Isaiah was one of those prophets killed by the king. Israel does not have a great history of accepting God's prophets, the latest of whom in Jesus' mind would have been John the Baptist. Yet God did not stop sending these prophets to Israel. Time and time again, out of God's great love for the world, God God sent prophets to Israel until finally God sent Jesus Christ, who would redeem the world. We hear God's frustration, God's anguish in Jesus' cry. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood? But you were not willing. God sent prophets time and time again to call us back to right relationship with our Creator and with one another. Time and time again, we have killed or otherwise disregarded those prophets. Even Jesus, 
who would be shown to be so much more than a prophet, met a violent end in Jerusalem. Yet this did not deter God's desire to be reconciled to those that God created. God cannot be so easily thwarted. God took the rejection of God's Son by the people of Israel and turned it into a blessing for all nations. God's yearning to gather God's people like a mother hen gathers her brood under her wing is not a desire that can be easily thwarted. And that is the good news. The good news is that in the fullness of time, out of God's great love for the world, God gave God's Son, Jesus, to redeem us and to heal our brokenness. Thanks be to God. Let us sit for a little while with what God has placed on our hearts.